0: Hey everyone, Dr. Pat and I would personally like to invite you to join us in our Grow My Baby program. This is week-by-week pregnancy and birth information developed from our experience of helping more than 4,000 women grow and birth their babies. All our links are on our website, growmybaby.com.au If you're trying to get pregnant, or you are pregnant, and you feel a little bit overwhelmed by all you need to know, then this is the right podcast for you. Welcome to the show. I'm Bridget Maloney.
1: And I'm obstetrician, Dr. Patrick Maloney. And this is The Kick, your expert-led podcast that delivers the essentials of growing a baby. Make sure you head to our website, growmybaby.com.au, to get some awesome free tools like our Pregnancy Knowledge Checker to help you feel like you got this.
0: Well, welcome, everyone. This is Episode 17. uh, And today we're going to talk about when you get told you have diabetes in pregnancy. It's really common, isn't it, Patty?
1: Look, it sure is, and sometimes it's a real surprise to people because they think I'm, I'm young, I'm healthy, I'm slim, and I eat well. So, what am I doing with diabetes?
0: Yeah, and sometimes they think that you know they don't have any symptoms. So, why am? I, why are you even suggesting I should get tested?
1: Yeah, why is it even? Relevant? Yeah, relevant. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Sure. So, um, for listeners, we are in the hometown of Ballarat, and and it's beautiful here at the moment, isn't it? It's spring beautiful. and the- springtime. And um, I'm going to channel my mum here, and she always thinks there's going to be more babies in springtime. Is uh-huh. that?
1: <laughs> I love That's such a country thing that, that that it's springtime and the lambs are being born, so there should be more babies born. <laughs> uh, when your mother says that, I just smile and, smile and uh, nod. Smile and nod.
0: In fact, we've got no, there's no rhyme or reason, is there, for when our practice is busier than other times? I don't think and, so. No, no, no.
1: I don't think so. Uh,
0: we're not doing anything in January. That's a very busy month, isn't
1: it? Well, that's going to be the busiest of the year, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. So Pat, is there a difference between diabetes and diabetes in pregnancy?
1: Well, well, yes. My, my, most people are familiar with type 1 diabetes, which is the diabetes that comes on in children and young people and it needs uh, insulin injections. And type 2 diabetes, which is usually the diabetes that comes on in older people, usually associated with obesity. And uh, pregnancy diabetes is different. It's has something in common with those conditions, um, but is the causes of it are complex. Uh, they relate certain certain degree to genetics, and also to the behaviour of the placenta. Okay. So to, it's a different risk group. In fact, everybody's at risk.
0: Right. And so, how common is it?
1: Well, it's up to about um, twelve to fourteen percent of um, of pregnancies and certainly you're at higher risk if you're very overweight or um, older, but you're also at some risk if you've got a normal body weight and you're young.
0: Yeah, right. Wow. All right. Well, why is it a problem in pregnancy? Why do we even test for it?
1: Look, the studies have shown that um, it's not great for the baby to grow in an environment of excess sugar. Everybody's um, uh, heard of the idea that uh, diabetic pregnancy, the baby can get very big and fat, which is true. And that can be a problem for the baby being uh, unhealthy, but also maybe not fitting out. Mm. And then, um, but less people know about the idea that a diabetic pregnancy, the baby can be small and growth restricted and, and sick, sick from being too small. And that's to do with the placenta not working terribly well when, when in, if the blood sugars are highly abnormal.
0: What, it just becomes like calcified or something? Yeah, like.
1: so there's lots of um, complex ways in which the placenta can malfunction and they're more common with diabetes.
0: Yeah, right. Okay. Um, so when do we have the test? When's the most important time to be tested?
1: Uh, the standard test is done at 28 weeks and sometimes that might be done earlier if someone, had, for example, had gestational diabetes in a previous pregnancy or was very overweight or had some other risk factors. Um, But um, the standard test for a healthy woman is done at 28 weeks, and that's that oral glucose tolerance test, which is the famous test where where we Mm -hmm. go in fasted, and the blood's taken fasting, so um, straight up blood taken on an empty tummy. And then you drink the the, the gross drink, which tastes like um, neat cordial.
0: Yeah, it's disgusting. And
1: Um. then the bloods are taken at one and two hours after the drink. And the test is how well your body metabolises that sugar.
0: And the limits have changed a little bit, haven't they? So in 2013, they changed to be a little bit uh, lower. So more women are diagnosed with diabetes now.
1: Yeah. So the Australian uh, Diabetes Associations, the experts in the disease of diabetes, Have changed a couple of times over my career. They've made some changes to make the diagnostic criteria more strict. So, uh, just a growth of knowledge in the area. It used to be thought that a certain level of sugar was not associated with problems. They found out it was. So, to pass the test, you had to do a little better.
0: Yeah. And so, I've got the limits here. So, fasting, you have to be at or below 5.1.
1: Yeah. And that's, 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 uh, it's clearly abnormal to have a fasting. Um, higher than that
0: yeah
1: uh, you, you haven't had anything to, to eat for seven hours so it should be low.
0: Yeah um, and women do get a bit pent up about that so you know they say, well, well I was 5.2 and they've said that I've got gestational diabetes and I don't believe it and
1: mm. wh- what do you think it's look, I think some t- there's probably the odd case where you could argue that it was a bit too strict, but we're going to have the, the cutoff somewhere. A woman diagnosed as a borderline case has nothing to lose from, from that diagnosis. The diabetic diet is one we should probably all follow, yeah. to a certain degree. So, uh, so let's say you you felt that you only failed the test because of the way that the test was conducted, or that you were having a bad day, or something. Or you had
0: had something to eat just before the time frame for the fasting sure. started, and yeah.
1: yeah. The test has been designed in a way that that shouldn't explain mm. being over the limit. But um, even if it did, what have you really got? to lose. We certainly have people who are way over the limit on the test, but they make some minor adjustments to their lifestyle in terms of diet and exercise, and they never get a single high sugar again for the rest of the pregnancy. Yeah. Well, it's not that they didn't have it. It's that those changes were necessary.
0: That actually had an impact. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I know. Um, I think you said the word that might explain it, and that is you failed the test. So, yeah, I should a lot have said,
1: it. failed. Yeah, that's right. So, so, this is what we worry about, isn't it? That people might, not, might feel an enormous amount of pressure. These um, old glucose tolerance tests for diabetes, it's, it's not a pass or fail test, it's, it's how you perform on the test. And, yeah. and failure suggests that you've done something wrong. Well, you haven't, it's just uh, sugar's too high and we're going to help you bring it down.
0: Yeah, or that your body's failed you in some way or, or whatever it might be. But that's that's kind of the language around it, isn't it, that women do feel like they've not passed that test.
1: Yeah, and I think that to have a little bit of understanding that, that the pathology behind gestational diabetes is complicated mm. and it can be genes that aren't your fault and interactions between your system and your placenta that aren't your fault that can that can push the sugars up and it's nothing to do with you eating the wrong... Sometimes it's nothing to do with you eating the wrong things or, or not doing anything exercise.
0: Yeah, because it could be just your cultural background, couldn't
1: it? Yep. So yep. Uh, some people are just sitting ducks. Um, mm. It's much more common to get pregnancy diabetes if you're from a um, Southeast Asian at, at background, for example.
0: Yeah. And then it, does it make any impact if you've had other things like, I mean, you might've had gestational diabetes in the past mm-hmm. or, or any other... Um, hormonal issues.
1: Um, Yeah, so um, uh, women with uh, polycystic ovaries, for example, are more likely to be diagnosed with pregnancy diabetes. And someone with a strong family history of type 2 diabetes is at higher risk as well.
0: Yeah. And I read somewhere that if you've given birth to a large baby, you're predisposed to it.
1: Yeah, maybe. And... Well, yes, you are. And the explanation might have been that you actually did have gestational diabetes oh, back in that pregnancy time. as well. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it just wasn't, for whatever reason, um, diagnosed. So, uh, you know, if, some, if someone has a, a very big baby with no other apparent explanation, we always think, hang on a minute, was this diabetes and we missed it.
0: And what is a big baby? Let's just go there. <laughs>
1: Oh, well, I would consider um, a small woman with a small partner to, who'd had a baby over four kilos in the past and no diagnosis of gestational diabetes, I would think, well, hang on, maybe she did. Mm. And maybe we should have our extra senses out for for the same thing happening this time.
0: So there's leeway if you had a larger um, couple, both both partners are bigger framed or whatever you would expect if they had a bigger baby then...
1: Th- then that's less suspicious. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. All right. And the other thing is that if you've gained weight too fast in the first half of the pregnancy,
1: yeah, I, uh, that that does happen to people. Um, the uh, too many magnes. Didn't you say you had a magnem? Yeah yeah, mag- yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Too many magnums. <laughs> that's my fault. A magnum, a magnum a day in the first pregnancy. Yeah. So so a lot of weight gain. Absolutely. Yeah. So in that regard, it is important. Body weight and diet are important, but they're not the whole story.
0: Yeah. All right, so I've come back and I've got a fasting um, that's over five point one. What, what is what is mmol again?
1: Oh, that's millimoles. That's a, that's a um, uh, just a measurement of the amount of sugar.
0: Okay, and that's an Australian That's what we use in Australia. But um,
1: yeah, everywhere will have their own system. But the Australian is um, you're over the limit on the test if it's more than five point one fasting, or more than ten at one hour, or more than eight point five at two hours.
0: All right, and we might put in the. Um, the U.K. and the U.S. standards as well in our show notes. That's great. So, yeah, mm. people can have a look at that. All right, so we're over the limit. Sure. What do we do now?
1: Yeah. So um, the first thing I like to say to people is don't panic. This is, this is, you know, we can fix this. Um, we can bring the sugars back down one way or the other. It's often easy to bring them back down. And when we bring them back down, the outcomes are good. So don't panic. Uh, the first thing I like to do is get... My uh, the patients with gestational diabetes in to see a diabetes educator because um, that's a, you know, they go, go and spend half an hour an hour with a diabetes educator and learn a bit about the disease, learn the basics of managing the diet, dietary requirements, and you get a glucometer in the strips. Okay. So the glucometer is a little gadget that measures the blood sugar and it makes a little prick in your finger, drop a little bead of blood and the strip sucks the blood up off your finger and goes into the machine, tells you what the blood sugar is.
0: So this is something that you take home? Yeah. And do you know whether you have to buy it or is it Well, in
1: Australia, it's subsidised. So you go through a diabetes educator and they're the one who gets you all that gear. Right. And so they show you how to use it. And the first thing I want to see is a week's worth. Yeah. Okay. Because the test itself is a little artificial, isn't it? You don't actually drink that much sugar no. on a normal basis. No one sits down with a cordial bottle and just drinks out of the yes. top. Yes, well, we
0: hope not. Well, maybe one of our kids might. But yeah
1: So they, um, so you go to the diabetes educator and um, you get the gear and and a book. And in the book, they write the targets. So um, you know we want the morning target to be whatever, and the and the post meal targets to be whatever. And you go off and you take your sugars every every morning before brekkie and uh, after brekkie, after lunch and after dinner. And we see we, we see people after a week. Oh, that's, that's what I do. And sometimes they're perfect. And that's because the diabetes educator has also told that person about eating well and doing some more exercise. exercise. yeah. And if they're perfect, they're perfect. But uh, they
0: just have to keep eating well and exercising. Yeah, yeah, today. you
1: can't. Yeah, usually they're perfect because you've made some changes. Yeah. Yeah. So we carry on and we keep on measuring because as the pregnancy progresses, the sugar metabolism changes a little bit and it can be harder to keep normal levels.
0: Is that why some women can control by diet and exercise, but then need a different treatment plan towards the end of Absolutely. their pregnancy? Yeah, okay. yeah.
1: So your sugar's fine, and then suddenly it's less fine, and then suddenly it's not. Yeah. Okay. And then, so we keep on uh, testing, and at some point, it might be clear that, that more treatment than just diet and exercise is needed. And uh, there's two big treatments that are brought in after that. One is uh, metformin, which is a, uh, a tablet, and it's the tablet that people with type 2 diabetes traditionally take. And it, it's safe for use in pregnancy and works pretty well. Metformin upsets people's tummy and bowels.
0: Ah, what, and, constipation? Uh, Diarrhea. Ah, right.
1: yeah, um, and so it's not a hugely popular drug to be on, but after a couple of weeks, the upset of the bowels often settles down. And it, it's to avoid that upset of the bowels and also to try and be more precise that a lot of us use insulin yeah, it sounds a bit drastic. you are you putting me straight on insulin? But actually, it's not that hard to do either. And in that setting, we go back to a diabetes educator, and sometimes to a doctor who's an expert in managing diabetes.
0: What's their specialty called?
1: Well, they'll often be a, a physician and endocrinologist. Okay, and they're, they're, they're you know they're specialist doctors who manage hard cases of of diabetes uh, for non pregnant people, and they're also very good at managing it in pregnancy. Yeah, so they'll often help us with dosing and so forth. And then what we just want to do is um, learn how to use the little insulin injector pen. We put the cartridge in, dial up the dose we need, and it's got a little needle on the end.
0: A little fine gauge needle, isn't it? Yeah, they're yeah. pretty
1: small. You can't really get it wrong. You just pinch up some fat on your tummy or your thigh, and uh, put the, the needle in up to the hilt and push the button, mm. having dialed up the dose on the on the uh, uh, on the pen.
0: Yeah, and as I know that there will be people that are a bit phobic about needles, but it's it's sort of a means to an end, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's, and even the most, you know, even people who are scared of it at the start get the hang of it pretty fast. Yeah. And of course, insulin works like a charm, brings, brings the sugars right back in line very quickly.
0: Yeah.
1: And the idea, of course, is that if you, if you recreate normal blood sugar levels, the various processes of how the placenta works and how the baby grows, um, should, should be restored to normal.
0: And so let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, we've talked about what the treatment is and, and what the levels are and stuff, but why do we care so much?
1: Yeah. It's, it's an excellent question. And for a long time, we didn't actually know that pregnancy diabetes was a significant condition. Um, so some studies were eventually done that, that, that determined that, that outcomes were definitely better. If we tested for it, saw it, it as a real thing and, and treated it. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've always known that pre-existing type 1 diabetes, is com- it, it, it really complicates pregnancy. So this is somebody who's already got diabetes, they're already on insulin, and then they get pregnant. Mm. We've always known that those pregnancies were complicated. Mm. But um, was gestational diabetes a real thing? The evidence that it is a real thing is not that old, but it's in now. Um, And we know that it's a a real thing and that some of the complications related to diabetes in pregnancy will be seen with just gestational. It's not always mild, and we know that, that outcomes for mothers and babies are better if we treat it. And we know that immediate outcomes for the babies are better. I like how they go immediately after birth. But there's some fascinating research going on as well about whether the origins of adult disease can be dated back to the fetal environment. Right. So if you have a heart attack when you're 50, because your heart arteries are too hard and they get blocked, uh, is there a tendency to getting hard and blocked? Can that be traced right back to what was going on when you're a fetus?
0: Well,. In, in, to, in um, relation to gestational diabetes? Potentially, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: So, you know, this is still an area of research. But if we think that a lot of adult diseases are partially, partially have their origins in, in the quality of the field environment, then it makes sense to maximise that environment as best we can.
0: Yeah. And so there are long-term potential complications of having mm-hmm. gestational diabetes. What about, what? just what are some symptoms? I don't know what, what the symptoms of... Having gestational diabetes would be for the mother and the baby.
1: Well, the mother typically doesn't feel many symptoms, mm. so it's a bit—it's a bit like type two. You know, type two usually gets diagnosed because your GP thinks you're overweight and tests you for it, yeah. not because you come in with any particular complaint.
0: Oh, you're peeing a lot, don't you pee oh, a yeah. lot? Yeah. yeah, you
1: pee a lot. Yeah, yeah. No, no. But but you know, it's often just diagnosed through vigilance. Yes, yeah. yeah. And pregnancy diabetes is not. Com- it's not. It's not that common for it to cause, you know, that too thirsty, peeing a lot, that could be related to, say, a teenager who's diagnosed with type one. Mm. Much more often, it just turns up on the test. Yeah, the reason why we have to test everybody, no matter how healthy, it is it happens to healthy people, but also because it doesn't have reliable symptoms. Mm. Yeah, and then for the babies, well, we know that they can get, they can be sick because they're too small, Pro- and that's
0: because of the placenta.
1: Placental dysfunction. Yep. They can be sick because they're too big. Okay. So baby comes out five kilos, looks big and healthy, but actually sick. Uh, and they're
0: sick because of why?
1: Well, they have trouble maintaining their own blood sugars. Uh, yep. Um when they when they've come out of such a sugary environment into the, world cold, where the cold world <laughs> where the where their sugar comes from what they eat. Yeah. So they look big and strong, but but often their blood sugar will be um, too low and in response to uh, the sugary environment they will pump out more of their own insulin and so forth so these are all problems for those first few days and if babies get too big then they get too then getting too big to fit out is a problem mm. yeah
0: and so does that mean that most women with diabetes gestational diabetes will be induced
1: You're listening to The Kick with Dr Pat and Bridget. How many times have you Googled something about your pregnancy?
0: When I was pregnant all the time, Dr Pat.
1: We get it. You may be confused or overwhelmed. It's normal to want information, but where's the reliable stuff from experts?
0: Yeah. Now, if you like our podcast... Dr. Pat and I have developed an online program to help guide you through whatever stage of pregnancy you're at.
1: It's taken us literally two years to put it together.
0: Two long, hard years, wasn't it?
1: (laughs) But, you know, it is a game changer in how pregnancy information is given.
0: Now, how it works is uh, you get to sign up at whatever stage of pregnancy you're at. Like, So you could be pre-pregnant, in your very early stages of pregnancy, late pregnancy, preparing for birth, or maybe you've just brought your baby home. And you get lots of information around that. And then you also get to join our closed Facebook group.
1: We've called in all our contacts too. So we've got a dietitian, an anesthetist, physiotherapist. Sonographer. Yeah, who else? Uh, pediatric nurse, obstetrician, mother of four.
0: Oh, just all the people you need to hear from.
1: So if that's you... Can come and join us at www.growmybaby.com.au. Yeah, getting induced is common, and there's a few reasons behind that. One is that we'll often see complications related to diabetes happen at the very end, and if we can afford to get on with it before the very end comes, the very end of the pregnancy comes, then we can skip those.
0: What do you mean, like the baby? That's when the baby's its biggest. Or oh, What are those things that happen at the end? Oh,
1: one of the things that commonly happens is that you can go from really nice control to really bad control right. after the due date. So your
0: your blood sugar levels are spiking and yeah. and all over the yeah, show yeah. and
1: and it can be smarter. Variable. Yeah, and if we think we can get away with an induction before all that happens, then that's that can be better avoided than than treated. Yeah. Secondly, if diabetes in pregnancy is going to aff- affect placental function, that might not actually be revealed until the very end as well. So you can get past the serious problem of the placenta not working properly by having the baby before the placenta backs up. And sometimes we're trying to knock some, shave some growth off. Yeah. Okay. So a big baby, macrosomic baby, um, our best chance of getting that baby out uh, vaginally might be inter- intervening before it gets super big.
0: Yeah. And that's that's tricky, isn't it? Because people think, you know, you read it again, that people say, oh, well, the my obstetrician thought the baby was going to be four, four kilos or no, whatever, yeah. and it ended up being 2.8. No, yeah. that's probably an extreme. Mm, but
1: ho- hopefully we wouldn't get quite no, that no, wrong. That, that, <laughs> but no, but that's a, that's a good point, right? So estimated fetal weight is a tricky thing. We try and pick big babies just by the old-fashioned laying on of hands. So we put our hands on the belly and we measure with tape measure. Yeah. Um, surprisingly act- accurate for a bit of old-fashioned analog technology, and the laying on of hands I- is a you know surprisingly accurate in in experienced hands. So I, don't, I I wouldn't say I'm any good at picking you know to the gram how big a baby is, but your hands do get pretty big if you see a pregnant woman in clinic and you know she's 34 weeks and you put your hands on you go this is way too big or yeah. way too small yeah yeah so then you go to ultrasound. And ultrasound will give an estimated fetal weight where they'll measure the head, the belly and the legs and compute uh, computer model within the ultrasound machine will will calculate an estimated weight of the baby. But it's an estimate. Mm. Yeah.
0: And say so someone has seen someone and they've they've said with the laying of hands and, and like it's your, it sounds like it's your natural practice to then go on for ultrasound. But mm-hmm. if that isn't the natural practice of that particular health provider, can a woman then say, can I go and have a confirmation from an ultrasound or is there any worth... Any use in her doing that?
1: I would like to think that scans are being offered to people these days, who where where decisions are being made based on the fact that the baby's too big.
0: Yeah,
1: ultrasound. Um, you know, it's it's not a hundred percent accurate in measuring the baby's size, but it's a lot better than nothing.
0: Yeah. Now you mentioned that a baby that um, is too big might uh, have trouble controlling their own sugars. Ooh. What, what do they do there or, or what's, what's, does the baby go to the special care nursery or anything like that?
1: Yeah, so we'll usually bring the paediatricians to the birth of a, of a baby where the pregnancy has been affected by diabetes. And um, there's a, a protocol within the hospital for managing that uh, baby when they first um, come out. So babies that are over a certain size or there's been diabetes or both are at risk of their sugars going way too low and um, the paediatricians will be onto that. They'll measure the sugar levels of the baby's blood with a little technique to get some blood that we use to test babies for all sorts of things, and if the sugars are too low, they'll treat that, and they'll use glucose jelly, Mm. which they can rub in the baby's mouth on the gums, and that that works quite nicely in in a mild to moderate case. They'll use an intravenous sugar drip in a severe case, and they'll often turn to early feeding as well, and that's a it, it, we're talking about before the breast milk comes in so right. so give formula from the start until the breast milk comes because yeah. the baby's sugars too low to wait for the breast milk
0: and i also read that um you know again motivated patients with uh, gestational diabetes might actually collect colostrum yeah. before yeah
1: yeah yeah absolutely so that that works that works really very well mm. um
0: can i tell you they must be very motivated i remember trying to get some colostrum and it's like droppers like a drip yeah
1: you need a little a little five mil or one mil syringe mm. and, and just pick it up in little beads off the off the nipple um and it's hard but but yeah you, but people can uh, so you collect it in a little syringe and squirt it into a little like a little um urine specimen container and then um uh, freeze, freeze it. it yeah
0: so when can you start that
1: you well, some people start to to you know lactate from about halfway through the pregnancy mm. you know It's seen as a bit of a nuisance, but if you collect it, um, it's unbelievably handy to have Mm. it if there's a problem with delayed onset of lactation or if the baby comes too early.
0: Right, and can't suck. Yeah. Yeah, so that's back in the preemie- Episode, yeah, yeah. So, they, so that. the
1: PEDS will put the nas- nasogastric tube down, mm. and then they can put the um, express breast milk down the tube.
0: Yeah. Oh, clever people. All right. So, if I've got di- gestational diabetes, what what does that mean for my personal long term health?
1: Yeah, it it certainly raises your risk of getting of getting type two diabetes in the future and that's just they they share some common genetics. Uh, So everybody who's been diagnosed with gestational diabetes should have another oral oral glucose tolerance test at six weeks after the baby comes, and that's to to make sure that they don't have type 2 already. Mm. So especially somebody who's um, overweight, what we might be finding at their 28-week diabetes test is just type 2 that they've had for ages, and they've still got it even after the pregnancy hormones have gone away. So uh, some of those will be positive and that's type two and that person should be managed accordingly with weight reduction, lifestyle change and, um, and tablets. And most people will pass that. But in the future, they are more likely to get type two than somebody else. Mm. So they would keep in touch with their GP over the years and get tested from time to time.
0: Yeah, and just instigate a, a diabetes diet for that whole time. You know, it's probably as you said, it, we all should be eating.
1: <laughs> yeah, so it's so that person um, well advised would be would be trying to stay in better nick than mm-hmm. they otherwise would have um, because they're at higher risk of uh, of diabetes.
0: Oh, one question I meant to ask, you know, if someone's in a really long labor and they've got gestational diabetes, Mm -hmm. what
1: what is their blood sugar level doing? With gestational diabetes, it's usually fine. You don't go too low with um, gestational. So if anything, it would be a little bit high during the labor and that's not the end of the world. If you've got type 1 diabetes, taking insulin, then uh, it's always a, a balance between the food you put in that pushes your sh- blood sugar up mm. and the insulin you inject that pushes your blood sugar back down. Mm. And in labor, in, in active labor, people don't eat much. Mm. Uh, so, and also
0: they're expending energy.
1: Yeah, so you're expending energy, you're not eating much. And it's easy for your blood sugar to go too low. So it's like running a marathon, you don't stop to eat, you might stop to drink. Yeah, Mm. but in advanced labor, it's the same as the marathon, the cardiac output all the blood from your heart is going out to your muscles and in the labor, it's going into the uterus. Not much is going to the gut and the gut knows that. So it doesn't want, you don't want to eat. So because there's not, not a lot of blood supply going to the stomach and the small bowel. So your system knows that you, you shouldn't eat. So you don't need usually as much insulin as you think, and um, that's why in in labour with a type 1 diabetic we'd we'd use a sliding scale. That's just a a way of dosing the insulin based on what the blood sugar says.
0: It doesn't matter even if you've got gestational diabetes and you've been using insulin to control
1: it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, gestational with insulin, yeah, you might use a sliding scale as well. Yeah. Yeah, gestational without insulin, no.
0: Yeah, and we've probably gone into sort of... um, Obstetric consultant territory, <laughs> and you don't, uh, listener, need to sort of concern yourself about that. The the obstetrician or your healthcare provider in charge will be the one sort of controlling your. Yeah, blood I sugars. think all we need
1: to know about sliding scales is is that it's a way of uh, of adjusting the dose based on what the blood sugar is right now. Yeah. Uh, so you might have a you might take a blood sugar level every hour or two and take a dose of insulin to to match the sugar, the immediate sugar. Yeah. Yeah. And then, after the baby's out, or more accurately, after the placenta's out, people gestational diabetes goes away immediately. Immediately, yeah. So that um, is
0: phenomenal,
1: isn't it? Well, it is, but it's a, it just goes to show how much of it is about hormonal. The placenta. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It it really goes away immediately, and and so. Convincingly that we don't even really bother checking the sugars from that time onwards. Yeah, wow. Um, Apart from
0: your six-week check, just to make sure you haven't got type two. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So the uh, so the baby gets checked. They're, th- they're not that good at telling us stuff without us checking. But it, even if it's insulin dependent, it'll go away straight away. Yeah. Right. Yeah. People with type one have still got type one. Type one. That, they,
0: that's their lot in life, yeah, and they uh, got that at birth or, or not birth, but you know, early onset.
1: Yeah. Well, mm. they might <laughs> they might have been set up for it as a fetus. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah.
0: Well, it'd be interesting to get that um study well, you know when it 's finally released about yeah well yeah. it's lots
1: of studies it's just, it's an area of study where mm. they 're just looking at how many diseases have have their origins in fetal life, and presumably as a corollary, what can we do about that mm. Yeah,
0: yep, well, fascinating, so I just wanted to recap uh, firstly they're, they're about twelve to fourteen percent of all pregnancies, um, people have gestational diabetes, mm-hmm. which is quite high.
1: Yep, could test everybody.
0: Everybody gets tested, and it's a oral glucose tolerance test at twenty eight weeks. Twenty eight weeks. weeks, and you're you're a bit. You have increased risk of gestational diabetes if you've got a history of type two diabetes in your family,
1: mm-hmm. overweight, overweight, polycystic ovaries, over forty, previous pregnancy affected by gestational diabetes.
0: Yep. You know, your your healthcare provider will send you off to a diabetic educator and you'll be sorted from there.
1: They're the most valuable resource. Mm. It's all about education. Most people who know someone with type 1 diabetes, they're a whiz at managing their own sugar levels. Um, They become better at it than their doctors by mile because they know their own system. And I like women with gestational diabetes to be highly educated about what it is. Yeah. And a good diabetes educator will get people up to speed in no time, Mm. uh, taking it seriously Getting those sugars as good as we possibly can. Mm. Yeah.
0: And the reason why we do all of this is because um, it can impact the growth of your baby. Either they'll be growth restricted or your baby will be too big.
1: Potentially too big. Yeah. And then problems with labour and delivery and problems in the neonatal period that are all better prevented than treated.
0: Yeah. All right. And so my big takeaway too, Pat, is just to tell people that it's not a failure. This is not a failure. This is just, you know, it's so common. Hmm. It's a common symptom of, well, not symptom, a common um, issue in pregnancy.
1: Yeah, to do with complicated interactions between the placenta, the fetus and the mother and not a matter of um necessarily being overweight or having a poor diet or not exercising enough yeah it can happen even if you're doing all those things right
0: yes exactly all right well that's it for today i hope you enjoyed that and uh we'll see you next time and just jump on our instagram at grow underscore my baby and join our family there and give us some feedback and and have a chat with us on online there all right good on your people
1: thanks for listening everybody